0: Hi, it's Tony Kornheiser. The podcast is coming up in just a moment, but the sales weasels have got some sponsorships up front.
1: Previously, on The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: And we were talking, just him and me. We were talking on the side of a court, and I smiled at him at one point. I said, you know, (laughs) I would never play for you. And he looked at me, and he grabbed my stomach in a particularly flabby area right above my belt. And he squeezed so hard that I thought I was going to go down on the ground. And before that happened, he looked at me with his half-evil smile, and he said... (laughs) i'd never recruit you and that was it and that was the bobby Knight story is the only one i've got the tony kornheiser show is on now all right we've got some logistical things to talk about one the first thing is michael is here nigel is remote sean is running the show two i broke the headset before we started the show my headset and i now have Headphones that you would see, you know, by with normal people that over the giant, ear, two giant cans yeah, over the ears. ear studio
1: uh, headphones.
0: Yeah. So, and and they are blocking out. Like I don't hear what well, everything sounds different on these than on the ones I usually this use. This is like a
1: hearing test for you.
0: Yeah, it's more muffled. It's, look to the left. It's
1: just different. Right. <laughs> it's just that's not a hearing test. Well, they they start to send the sound from the left side of the room to the right, and it's impossible to separate what you hear from what you sort of are expecting to see. We need to start with something that's going to happen later in the show.
0: Chuck Culpepper is going to be on, and he's written a wonderful story about Connor Stallions, who may or may not have worked for Michigan and may or may not have told Jim Harbaugh all about the signs he stole.
1: Maybe he just has an interest in college football. (laughs) When
0: he may or may not have bought tickets to all these games to do advanced scouting, okay? All right. He is a graduate, apparently, of the high school in Lake Orion or Lake Orion. And this comes from John Brandt in Washington, D.C. I'm sure you read Chuck Culpepper's story in Sunday's Post, but I hope you took note that the sign stealer hails from Lake Orion. Orion High School. You can probably confirm the pronunciation with Chuck next time you have him on the show. So that's the important thing that's going to happen later. It's either Lake Orion or Lake Orion. And isn't our correspondent from there normally isn't it Jason Blazer? Yes. Isn't that his name, right?
1: Yes, I believe.
0: He's from Jason. Lake Orion or Lake Orion, which I never get right, even when he tells me, I forget <laughs> within five hours.
1: And here I thought it was just a bit.
0: <laughs> no, it's not just a bit. Uh, so I went. I went to, out to Delaware over the weekend. Played golf. I took Friday off. I'm going to start taking Fridays off if you can play golf. Played golf Friday and Saturday. Had a, the weather. The only thing that matters out there is the wind. If it's windy, you can't. It's just no fun. I mean, if it's really windy, are you still it's getting really a warm. warm air off of the ocean, or yeah. as it transitioned? No, it was warmer. I checked the temperatures. It was warmer in Delaware than it was in Washington on Friday and Saturday, not by much, but a degree or two. Had a lovely time. I got to play on Friday. I got to play with a, a young boy, not a boy, a young man, probably early thirties, early thirties. Named Michael Chenaud, sounds like Shin, I, That's how it was described to me. Chenaud, he was the Delaware Open champion this year. That's oh, wow. the second Delaware. So he played from the tips, and he had one eagle, two bogeys, and shot even from the tips. Very casual round for him. He's a very good putter. It was right around the hole all
1: the time. No matter, no matter. <coughs> Excuse me, how far away? Did you he play was. our standard game, uh, shot on every hole except for the par threes? I got no. I got
0: 22 shots from him. And at one point on the number one handicap, col- handicap hole on the course number eight, I got a 4 2. I won. I made $15 with him. <laughs> he was my partner. I got a 4 2. And the people in the pro shop said, You should be embarrassed getting two shots on a hole. I said, he's the Delaware open champ. Did you tell the shop you about, about your run of holes from seven through 12? Oh no, that was the next day. Oh, that was the next day. I'm not talking well, about that's that. That's the Wednesday today. podcast. I'm not, I'm not talking about that today. No, I played with Carl Saliba and I played with Tommy Donovan who were high give school us, friends. Give us a
1: tease when I happened on number nine.
0: No. I need, the next day. I need to know about that. I need to know about that third shot. No. No. The next day. I'm not doing that now. <laughs> but Michael it was so this he's the second Delaware Open champion I have played with in my life. The first is Jay Whitby. Now, these guys, when I'm. uh, So explain, Michael, what an open is.
1: Right, so if you think about your amateur, it's going to be the best amateurs in your state, and the open is going to be open to professionals as well. Pros can play in this, so pros from everywhere can go play in the
0: Delaware Open if they want to. And both of these guys, both Jay Whitby and Michael Chenaud, tried professional events. You know, they tried tour events and stuff like that, Um, and they do other things now because. To be a great golfer, to be on the pro tour, and to win is remarkably amazing. And a golf career, of course, is longer than any other sport. You go well into your forties and you're competitive all the time. So that was a great uh, thrill for me. And he was a nice, he was a nice guy, and and I enjoyed playing with him and just to watch somebody play like that. And he was very. I never asked him for tips. You know, I said. I, You know, I'm leaving three shots in the sand. Yeah, you didn't take him into out. the bunker? No, I didn't do it. I <laughs> do you like to play little
1: draw shots from here? He's still I doing should've. an open face no. cutter.
0: But he was, you know, he eagled 12, which is a par 5, from the tips. And his second shot... Did he hug the right side off the tee? Left side off the tee. His second shot, he understood completely, put the ball on the left side of the green, and it will funnel to the right and down... And he ended up two feet from the hole. I just, it was, that's the best hole I've ever seen somebody play. So I was really happy about that. Had two nice days of golf. Was very happy. Drove home yesterday. As as people know, the um, time change is bad for me. Uh, it was good, though, to drive home because I, I left at... You get mom on the road a little earlier. Yes, I left at what was 7.45 body clock time. I wanted to leave earlier but was 6.45 actual time. So it was really smooth getting back to home. I mean, it was like 2.45. Two
1: questions for you. Did you proactively change the clocks at the beach just for future visits? This is a, an important question for me. I changed a couple of them. I didn't change all of them yet. Now, how long is it appropriate to say body clock time versus actual time? Do we get two or three days? And well, then I, w- I woke of, up at then four just this morning. I woke up at 4. Actual time was 4, but body clock
0: time was 5. I went to bed basically at 8 last night. I didn't watch any of the Sunday night game. I didn't watch any of it. Cincinnati won. Burrow had another. This is what Cincinnati does. Yeah. yeah. They're, he's good. They're good. When, when and they're he's still good, in last place. Good.
1: Are they still in last place yeah. in that division? In that division, yeah.
0: Wow, because I think they're a Super Bowl contender. I want to see the next game with Baltimore. I know Baltimore beat them the first time. I want because I think Baltimore may be the best team in the league right now, right now. So I don't know. I watched a lot of I watched a lot of Red Zone, and I had some things I wanted to say. First of all, because of my body clock, I was back in time for the a game a half? from Germany, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Dolphins, and it was a. Terrible way to end the game. Did you see that? Did, did anybody see this? So what happened? The last in the second play half? of the I, game? No. Second half, the Dolphins came back. They were down one touchdown. They had a fourth and twenty-one, which was going to be their last play to try to get it into the end zone to tie the game. And it was a bad snap. Oh. And it, you know, went oh, on the yeah. ground. And yeah, it, it's just that you know it's such an unsatisfying way. To end the game. And then I really settled in and there were boy, there were three really good games. Really good games. Um Josh Dobbs at Minnesota got there during the week. What a great got story. pressed into action and won yeah. the game with a played great the whole game and won it with a touchdown pass with twenty seconds to go ahead of Atlanta. Atlanta Atlanta's a tremendously disappointing team. They probably, two or three of their losses, they probably should have won those games. Yeah, And then then the Houston game, Houston-Tampa Bay, I guess it was, Houston has no kicker. So they have to go on fourth down in all of these spots where they could get a field goal and tie or go up. They can't do it because they have no kicker. So they're going on fourth. And C.J. Stroud... Passed for like 470 yards. He was spectacular. He was the number two pick in the draft. And if you're Carolina and you're looking at Bryce Young and you're looking at C.J. Stroud, you're saying, ooh, we made a mistake here. (laughs) C.J. Stroud won the game with a touchdown pass with six seconds to go. But previous to that, they put in a guy to kick a field goal to get them up three points or tie the game, whatever it was. And he just looked, looked like a lineman. Like, I have no idea who he was. And he kicked it. He <laughs> kicked the field goal. Yeah. The field goal kicker was injured. Uh, you got to carry a second
1: kicker. Doesn't your punter know how to kick? Wouldn't this be great if it was like the you know golf game where you get to pull a club out of their bag? You just say, I want to see him kick the field yeah, goal. just, just a, a remarkably
0: great game. And Tampa Bay was very good as well. And the Dallas game. Dallas-Philadelphia was a terrific game. Dallas had the opportunity To prove that they were, as did Miami. Dallas and Miami were teams yesterday that had the opportunity to prove, you need to take us seriously in the playoffs. We're going to make the playoffs, and you need to take us seriously. And in neither case did that happen. Because Dak Prescott had two drives to win late in the game. And Dak Prescott played very well. But Dallas didn't win. Dallas committed penalties. Dallas on the last play, they... They lost about 15 yards in penalties on their last drive, and on the last play of the game, um, Dak Prescott throws it to C.D. Lamb. But C.D. Lamb is three yards from the end zone, and he gets tackled. It's like what happened in that Super Bowl game, Oh, right? yeah, with the Titans, With yes. Tennessee and, and, yeah. and the Rams. Yeah. He didn't get in, and he wasn't as close as the guy from from the Rams was. He did not get in, or the guy from the Titans, rather. He didn't get in. And, and so you say to yourself, do you take them seriously? So I think, I think you do. I think you take them seriously. But had they won that game, you'd have taken them a lot more seriously. We'll talk to we'll talk to Wilbon about this. Um, but those were great games. Uh, there were games, and one, one other game was, wasn't a great game, but New England had a chance at the end to beat Washington. Yep. And Mac Jones couldn't get it done. He got it done the week before, but he couldn't. It just seems to me there's a lot of two and five teams Two and five, three and four, four and four. There's a lot of teams that aren't any good out there. I'm sure that Wilbon will go crazy about this and start screaming about it. But it was good to watch all these things. From a betting standpoint, something happened that was remarkable. And two of our people lost on that, okay? Two of our people lost. Let me get to our betting sheets. We haven't announced everything that's happened because we have Monday Night Football still to go. For Chuck and for Reginald. But both Carville and Jeff Ma took Houston minus two and a half against Tampa Bay. Minus two and a half. When they get the late touchdown, there's six seconds to go. They are up by two. If they have a kicker, maybe they kick the extra point. Oh yeah, They don't really have a kicker, so you don't want to risk something crazy happening, and you don't really want to try to run it in because you don't want to risk a fumble or something nuts. So they just took a knee. C.J. Stroud took a knee. Houston didn't cover because they won by two, not three. (laughs) And both Carville and Ma lost on that game, which I'm sure will make them both angry, but it's, you know. It's they, as they say in golf, it's the rub of the green. So we'll take a break. Uh, Wilbon will join us when we return, and we'll ask Wilbon about one of the most wonderful things that could ever happen to somebody. He saying, Take Me Out to the Ball Game at Wrigley Field on Saturday at the Northwestern yeah. Football Game. Michael Wilbon. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser.
2: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: We played Violet Mary the other day, didn't we, Nigel?
1: We, well, this is from Scott Cranfield uh, yeah, from it's, it's Violet it's Mary. Yeah, it's another song.
0: Yeah, yeah. but I think this but is from... But it's not a... Violet Mary, it's it's Austin Hollow. That's right. Austin Hollow is the band, and Austin Hollow gives us Sweet Tea, which you can hear in its entirety at the end of this fabulous podcast and it plays in Michael Wilbon and music is the actual thing that we want to talk about because you had one of the great honors in life. You got to sing, take me out to the ball game at Wrigley field for the Northwestern Iowa game. How nervous were you? How do you think you did? How honored were you?
3: Incredibly honored. I was only, I only knew about it maybe three or four days in advance. They called and said, um, hey, listen, we're going to do a, a, a regular baseball presentation of Take Me Out at the end of the third quarter, and everybody here, I mean, the athletic department, wants you to do it. I said, all right, all right, I'll do it. I've done it before. I did it in a the game in 2008, um, and I was nervous that time. Right. But I wasn't nervous this time. I, I, you know, I don't know why not. I, I'd done it before, and I, I could do it. I have to memorize the words. Really feels like a second home to me. I mean, I know every crack of that ballpark. I have to walk up to the booth where the song is done, and um, I went up after you know in the third quarter and put on a jersey and just belted it. out and, the thing about the game, I say, you know, your because phone I is cracking.
0: You. Your phone is totally cracking. It's Totally cracking. Let us call you back. All right, just remember that. All right, call yeah, because yeah, it's cracking. Because I want people to hear this story. Sean, call him on the cell phone. Is that better? Didn't, am I the only one who heard that cracking, by the way? No, I heard it as well. Nigel, did you hear it cracking? Now we don't have Nigel.
1: We, we might have lost Nigel. Give me one nope, sec. Nope, <laughs> no, here I am. Here I am. Did yes. you hear
0: his phone cracking?
1: Yes, I did hear it cracking. Yeah, it was, um, it was a little disconcerting. So I think his cell phone would probably be the way to go here.
0: All right, so call him on his cell.
1: Did you knock out another wire?
0: No. Maybe <laughs> I... Do you think it's my fault that that happened? <laughs> no, no, no. Everything was working be before you kicked
1: over the, uh, the, ear, uh, the that earpods. That would be hard
0: to believe. It's such an honor. I mean, because Wilbon grew up... Hey. Watching Cubs games. Yeah. All right, so we got you, you, got you back. Me? I was going. I was just about to tell people the honor is that you grew up watching Cub games and Harry Carey sang oh, "Take yeah. me out to the ball game." And it's it's for a Chicagoan oh, yeah. and a Northwestern person. You were identified as Northwestern alum, and you had your you had your jersey eighty, your graduation year. How do you think That's you right. did?
3: How do you think you did? I did okay. I did all right. I'm not, not going to be you know. Uh, crazy modest I did all right. I, I did you know pretty well.
0: I thought you um, did very well.
3: Thank you, thank you. I can carry a tune. I was a you know yeah. young musician. I, you I, played piano funny, as a kid. If this had been years ago with that organ, I, that my music teacher teachers Bruce Miles and Judy Miles have played the organ at Wrigley. Wow, they have done that in their time. Yes, and so I'm not. Again, this is a very familiar. Thing for me, but it's quite an honor in Chicago when you do that. And in this case, Tony, it's it's look, it's a Northwestern home game at the um except, and it's full, it's forty thousand, forty three thousand, whatever it is. If there were 43,000 people, I'm going to say 30,000 of them were from Iowa. That it many... might have been more than that. Be, wow. You got to remember, Tony, I have to keep pointing out to people. Matthew goes crazy when he sees this. He, you know, he goes to Northwestern's Ohio State. goes to Northwestern Michigan. He's been to a million Northwestern games. He's like, Dad, how can they have as many people? Like, Listen to me, dude. They're, the, the, the Michigan, the Chicago chapter of the University of Michigan Alumni Club is bigger than Northwestern's. Big, much bigger. Oh, yeah, because they got
0: 40,000 students. Sure.
3: Yeah, there's more... There are more Iowa alums living in Chicago than Northwestern alums by like four to one. Okay. So, so people, you don't have to. They're not. They're not unfamiliar. It's not like they have to fly into O'Hare. They live there. Yeah. And the ones yeah. who drove in drive across them. They, they drive two hours. So it's eighty percent Iowa people, and this is just our existence. We. This is not new to us. But it really Field this year, nobody expected us. to. I mean, we didn't expect us to be four and four going into that game.
0: It was the lowest playing. under of all time. The lowest yeah. under of all time, and it was too. under.
3: It was under. Yeah. yeah, it was under. So it was, you know, it was a it was a tenth game. There was no game that for anybody other than those two schools or Big Ten people. But um, it was it was it was seven nothing, Iowa. And after that, we did score to tie the game. I was kind of hoping we went for two and just, you know, live with it. And then Iowa kicks a 50 school record, like 58 yard field goal to win the game at the end.
4: And
0: so the <clears throat> let me tell you what I wondered about. You're out there, you're among Northwestern people, you're in the Big Ten. Did any of your guys talk about Harbaugh? What is the sense of the tell Northwestern me. community <laughs> yes. about Harbaugh? Yes.
3: Remember Harbaugh is not Northwestern community. Jim Harbaugh was is a Michigan man, right? Drafted by the by Chicago the Bears, Bears right. in nineteen
0: eighty. I
3: don't know seven. Um, you know, Jim, Jim Harbaugh is not unfamiliar. Jim Harbaugh is a favorite of Virginia McCaskey, the owner of the Bears, George Halas's daughter. So you know, Jim, Har- Jim Harbaugh is you know. And I don't know if anybody feels, I think there are a lot of people who feel like I do, which is, let's just get this over. He's got to go. The Big Ten athletic directors, and by the way, Tony, I was with my athletic director all day. I did not even ask him what he felt. I just didn't. I know how I feel. I don't need anybody to tell me how they feel. The athletic directors want him out. The coaches want him out. They're angry at him. At yeah. least that's the position. That's what's reported. And I have not. Called the guys that I know to say, "Hey, how do you feel about this? It's time for Jim Harbaugh to go. There's only one place for him to go. He's not going into retirement. He's going to the NFL, where his record I think is 44-19 and one. So it's time to go. It's time for Matt Eberflus to go. Let's let's just get this done. Let's stop screwing around here, and let's get Jim Harbaugh on the sideline." where, once again, he was drafted. He knows his way around Chicago.
0: Do you, do you want to tell bear. the people what big, the biggest athletic event of tonight is in, around the country? Want to tell them something? Monday Night Football, what is it? It involves Northwestern.
3: Oh, wait. Tonight. Oh, yes. My God. Bigginton, Bearcats right. <laughs> versus the yeah. Wildcats. Yeah. Yes, at Welsh Ryan Arena.
0: Cat's madness. 8
3: o'clock Eastern time.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Um, I think we're, we're sort of a favorite. You and I will have to come to some odds.
0: 19 and a half.
3: Uh, you win by and 30. Okay. You Yes, win by yes, yes. <coughs> I, You know, I hope. I mean, we, we have some aspirations this year. We made the tournament last year. Our best player is back for his fifth year that he got the COVID year. Um, and we, you know, we have some aspirations. And, and, and I've, I've gone to a couple of practices our kids are very excited about this. You and I should be at this game. We were at this game the first we were. we were it took place. We should be at this game. I decided to come back i got I got stuff I got to be here for this week, and so I'm embarrassed that I'm not there if I'm not there. don't worry about it um so the yes, the biggest event of the weekend for you and me is not Northwestern Iowa football, which was you know again it was you know. Sort of a thing, um, but I'm excited about tonight's event, and I'm going to be front and center with that on the big TV and whatever the Monday night game is. What is the Monday night game?
0: I think it's the Chargers and the Jets. It's something. Yeah, that, okay, it's something like that, that would have been a great idea if Aaron Rodgers was playing, but he's not, so it's not he's a good idea.
3: The Jets, but the Jets, the Jets they're are pretty listen, good. <clears throat> yeah. better than we thought. The Jets are a Not their to, quarterback. They're a game, they have no Only, they're only a, a game behind Miami
0: but they have no Perhaps offense they. they have no offense okay, uh, well, your boy you know. your boy Badget, Bajet, had a rough day yeah
3: right three he, turnovers he, he, or he, he, four it's turnovers over it's, it's over? over three interceptions and a fumble
0: okay it's over it's over for him
3: i mean he can't but, make the throws yeah he can it's, it's enough we've seen enough and and you know we're still in the running for those top 2 picks i mean carolina lost carolina Basically, stinks we root hard against carolina every week we own their pick yeah, and you, I, I tell you what, Tony. What, what's tough to watch is tough to watch is that uh, CJ Stroud. Man, he's great. Complain.
0: He's great. Uh, yeah, he's going to be. We could have had him.
3: Well, <laughs> we well. But I, I, I want. I want this to work with Justin Fields. I'm. Yeah. I'm one of those people who's all in with that. And so we could still have the first two picks coming up. Um, with Justin Fields already there. How do you think Carolina feels?
0: How do you think they feel oh,
3: yeah. taking yeah, they, Bryce they, Young? Yeah, and they, the only game Carolina won, they beat Houston. Oh, but I'm... we still know who th- this kid. Listen, he looks like the best quarterback ever from Ohio State.
0: Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Because right there haven't been any. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of quarterbacks, well, let me get to the Bears for one thing. They signed Montez Sweat to an enormous deal. Yeah, enormous. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, I mean, look, I was screaming to make a trade for a defensive lineman who could rush the passer, and the Sweat can do that. Yes. Look, the Bears, the Bears have ten sacks this year as a team. Sweat has six and a half by himself. So this is not Sweat's twenty-seven years old. You you certainly want to think he can if you're going to give up a second-round pick, which seems high. You, you, you want him to be able to play for five years. They sent him to a four-year deal. Um, you know, he wasn't even the best rated defensive lineman pass rusher that they got rid of that day.
0: Yeah, but the but other the other kid Sweat is hurt. Plays.
3: Sweat yeah, is actually the out there hurt. on yeah. the field. And That's by the matters. way, he had some pressures yesterday. He was in uniform yesterday and had some, some pre- quarterback pressures. So, yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I don't know that our GM still knows what he's doing. But I was okay with that. In real time, I know a little bit more about Sweat, and people are calling me. I'm like, look, I don't cover the Washington football team anymore. And they're like, at least you've seen him. Nobody here even has any idea who the hell he is. So I'm That's happy with money. with getting him. I'm not worried about the money. The Bears are still they're further under the cap than almost any team in the NFL.
0: Oh, the Bears I didn't have know that. cap
3: money. They have picks and they have resources, Tony. We have picks and cap money, so let's start to spend it. On both
0: you, were an, you were insistent that USC would beat Washington. You watched yeah, that game on yeah, TV. Very, very very I angry. went back and forth with the Alabama game and that game. What yeah. are your thoughts on that? that? That's three losses for USC now. Well, here are my
3: thoughts. The USC defensive coordinator was fired yesterday. Those yes, are my he was. thoughts. Yeah. Okay? Because Caleb Williams, people have to be idiots to criticize Caleb Williams. You have to be a moron. And most people who follow football are morons. Sorry to insult your listeners, because they're morons. (laughs) Caleb Williams put up 50 last week and won by one. 50 at home. I think it was at home. And he won by one. He put up 42. And he lost at home. He puts up more than 40 every week. You think every quarterback does this? I'll take him over Michael Penix right now. I know Michael Penix is still undefeated. Michael Penix's team is undefeated. I just watched them. I watched both of them. Caleb Williams is better than Michael Penix. He does things Michael Penix doesn't do. Michael Penix is terrific. Michael Penix is going to be a top-ten draft pick. He ain't Caleb Williams. But USC, Tony, it wasn't just that the defense was bad for two years. Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy last year with the worst defense in America. He was trying to go back-to-back, which only one person has ever done, with the worst defense in America. Tony, they're bad at everything. They're ba- they commit penalties. They have no personnel. They have no scheme. They have no discipline. They can't defend the pass. They can't defend the run. They can't defend anything. To be USC, to have the resources that Southern Cal has, transfer portal, recruiting, pay them, cheat, do whatever you have to do. No school with those kinds of resources has ever had a more poorly coordinated defense than that. I know because I watch USC every game. Every game I watch them. I don't go back and forth. I watch Caleb Williams' team. And I meant to send his dad. Maybe I did send one late last night when I was half asleep. A text saying, congratulations on getting that coach fired. He should, If he was fired at the beginning of the season, USC might be undefeated. Just, you can't have that. You can't have a guy put up 50 and you lose. You could do that if you were Northwestern. You can't do that and be Southern Cal. Are you kidding me? They're going to bring that defense to the Big Ten? It's unbelievable that this guy had this job. Lincoln Riley, I, I, I was ready to say, fire him. If Lincoln Riley can't fire that guy, what's he doing?
0: Well, he fired him last night.
3: He should have been fired. Yeah, How do you score 50 not, and, loo- and, and lose the game and keep your job? I'm
0: not arguing on that. I'm not arguing because that's, you know, and I'm not going to argue because it is Southern Cal. It's football school. County, that's why. Football school. You can be other
3: places. Yeah. That's right. And you can say, you know what? You
0: can be UCLA, which is a basketball school or was a basketball school as, and a football wow. school. USC's a football wow. school. All right. I'll it talk is. to you later. I'll all talk right, to you Tom. later. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. Um, yeah, go Cats because there's the Wildcats and the Bearcats. So go Cats. <laughs> yeah. uh, we will come back. Chuck Culpepper will tell us all about Connor Stallions when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser
4: you're listening to the tony kornheiser show the tony kornheiser show
2: 45 years in texas calling balls and strikes as good an announcer that's come down the pike he's in cooperstown a hall of famer how do you like and now he's a world champion behind the mic Eric Nadel, Eric Nadel, you must have dropped a silver dollar down the wishing well. The Rangers are the champions, trophies on the shelf. Who was there to tell about it? Eric Nadel, Brooklyn born saw Wilton Russell when he was a tyke. Rode all over New York City on his two-wheel bike. From Gotham Town to Big D, ain't that quite a hike? And now he's a world champion behind the mic. Eric Nadell, Eric Nadell, fly that banner proudly, ring that winner's bell. The Rangers are the champions, trophies on the shelf. And who was there to tell about it? Eric Nadell.
0: That is the genius, Dan Byrne, who writes this note. Here's the ballad of Eric Nadell, the Hall of Fame radio voice of the Texas Rangers. He's a listener to the show and last year had a memorable email read on the show. If Eric Nadell is listening, I hope you have committed that song to posterity for the rest of your life, (laughs) because it's Dan Byrne writing about you and singing about you. That's wonderful. It plays in Chuck Culpepper.
1: Michael, if people want to send in original music, how do they do it? As always, send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Okay, so the first thing we have to do, uh, Chuck
0: Culpepper wrote a great story about this shadowy figure uh, named Connor Stallions, who may or may not have Told may or may not have been authorized to do the things he did in terms of videotaping games of prospective Michigan opponents and may or may not have communicated stuff to Harbaugh. We'll talk about those things. But the most important thing for me is the high school that he went to. How is that
4: pronounced, his high school that you wrote about? Oh, I hope I get this right. I know how to spell it. Lake Orion, I believe. Lake-
0: I kept saying we have an emailer from there, and I always say Lake Orion, but I think it right. is Lake Orion as well. So that's good. You, you right. researched; it's a great story. You researched this guy. His he's a highly reputable high school and college student, and his first job. Tell people who he is.
4: Well, he he won an award from the Congressman Mike Rogers at the who was Congressman at the time in Michigan. Uh, Three counties. He gives out awards to thirty high school students, including uh, just one from Lake Orion in that in that case, and uh, and Connor Stallions won it. And it's called Medal of Merit, and it's um, it's you know part of a distinguished high school career. He got a proclamation from the the township council, and um, and he was uh, you know quite a distinguished uh, high school student and. Headed off to Naval Academy, and um, you know, while always with that Michigan fandom. He often went back to to Michigan while at the Naval Academy to sort of help out the football team as as he could, and just sort of this. I've been really struck by this energy about him. Um, I think it's rare. I think it's rare that somebody gets to age twenty eight and is standing on the sidelines near the coaches without ever having. You know, he, he played high school football for a short time. He stopped, he said, to help coach with his dad on a middle school team. And, and he uh, played basketball from there. So it's an odd trajectory to get to the lofty places in these photos where he has wound up. So I, I was really intrigued by him. And, and as it went along, kind of really, you know, felt a bit actually sorry that this has happened to him, even though you know I'm usually a real about cheating.
0: He went to the Naval Academy. This is yeah. not some trifle. He right. went to the Naval Academy. He served the country. Am I correct on that?
4: Yes, that He is achieved right. a and, rank of what? What was his yes. rank? Marine Captain. Corps. It's Marine Corps and um, Captain. So it is, Captain. Um,
0: so this is the kind of young man we put the... We put the trust of the country in. We do. There's no question about that. And as you wrote in the story, he always wanted to coach football. You are doing a story about somebody who was the pride and joy of a town in a state in the United States of America. And there were some people who refused to talk to you, weren't there?
4: There were quite a few. And it makes you you know, you have this long list of people you're trying to call uh, coaches, administrators, some, in some cases, teammates. And when you don't get any response, you kind of start to think about the reasons why that could be. And then you realize you should stop thinking about the reasons why that could be because you don't know. And so it, it was difficult to, to find people, uh, to talk about. And even as you know, there were 700, some graduates in that high school class. And I went back and, and watched the, uh, watch the video of the graduation, which you can do nowadays. And, you know, it, it just takes forever to get to the surnames that start with S. And then, and then you know, and then he comes up there and two administrators uh, jump up and they, they're very so eager and happy to, to see him and present him with his diploma. And they do and they stand next to him for a photo. And you just kind of look at that and you think about the future, you know, that's ahead and headed to the Naval Academy, and you you just think, My goodness, how did it how did the roads go winding until it ended up here?
0: So there are very few journalists out there anymore. There are a lot of people who sit and talk into microphones or type directly into the world on the internet. There are a few journalists. You're an actual journalist. I like to believe I was an actual journalist. There have been stories in my life that I have done that I have hit this wall where people don't want to talk, and you convince yourself, that makes the story more worthwhile. But if you are a human being, you also feel bad, and there's a time when you say, am I, am I the right guy to do this? Is this going to benefit the world? I am sure you had that existential dilemma.
4: As uh, I must say, someone who, who came along uh, admiring you, I am startled to find out that you ever had that dilemma, but of course you did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, <clears throat> and I did. Yes. And, yeah. and all those feelings you just described come into it. And I, I end up beginning to blame. I realized in doing this, I, I blame myself. It's totally my fault. No one wants to talk to me. And then you get to I get to the point, no one should want to talk to me. And then I feel just lousy, and then I go for a walk. Yeah. So... And
0: then you go back to work. You know, you go back to work because you understand what the greater good is and you understand the compact you've signed with the devil when you took that job. In your opinion, does this go directly to Harbaugh?
4: Oh, boy. You know, a lot of times with these programs, there's a purposeful um, uh, sort of, say, uh, effort to avoid having it go.
0: No, sure. To it was called, uh, around Iran-Contra, <laughs> it was called plausible deniability.
4: Right. right. And they and go I, out
0: of their way so it doesn't touch the person whose head is most visible.
4: Right, right. And it's it's not only, you know, it's, it's not only something that happens, it's something that is intentional. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think if I had to go to a gambling window and bet on it, which I don't, do but um I would uh I would say that it doesn't. I w- that would be my guess.
0: That's interesting. Um and I and I can understand it because you can you know all there are so many coaches on a team in a sport he doesn't have to know. He actually doesn't have to know, but the big 10 is going to have to make a determination, I would imagine. If and when it gets to them before the NCAA, and I'm sure they'd rather it be them and not the NCAA, do
4: you think that they will act? I think there's a big issue uh, standing there that has to be weighed, and that is that what kind of precedent would it be, and what what would it, what kind of issues would it present for future cases? Although you know, you this this case is so graphic and so uh, vivid that you you know you wonder what. Future case could compare to it, but I, I would I would wonder in that position, and, and you know we all know the NCAA has has weakened, oh. and um and the you know and the basketball scandal that the you know that the FBI got involved in resulted in you know nearly nothing. So uh, so I think the Big Ten will have to consider it. it there's a chance that as as obvious as This is, you know, the Purdue coach, Ryan Walters, said these aren't allegations, this happened. So as obvious as everyone sees that this is, um, the Big Ten should really kind of carefully consider what, what, what weighing in and how they would weigh in would mean for future cases.
0: I agree with you on, on all of those things, and I admire the Purdue coach because he is at least the one with guts in the entire conference. Everybody else is willing to stab Harbaugh in the back and leak stories to other people but not put their name on it, which I have very little respect for. Uh, I think that Wilbon, just, uh, we just had Wilbon on, and, of course, he just wants Harbaugh to coach the Bears. So he says <laughs> it's time for Harbaugh to go. While you were doing this story, did you get any sense – of what the future of the Michigan football team might look like in a year or two?
4: I think, you know, there's so many, I was thinking they they felt like tributaries to this. There's so many uh, parts of this story that you don't expect while you're going about it. And one of the things that was really striking to me, and I can't remember who pointed this out, and I'm sorry to whoever that is, but is that how their players will become evaluated in the draft the nfl draft might be Hmm. affected by this and that was really that was something i wouldn't have probably wouldn't have thought about and uh, and that you know how you'll be evaluated in the draft does become a big sort of aspect and, and a big uh influencer on how your team looks a year or two down the road because this is why uh young men choose it you know then this is a big part of how they, they choose their schools along the way. So when I think about that, I think, it, you know, it, the possibility of a, of a very uh, arid period in the program does get – I can see that coming if, if – um, I can see that as a, even a, maybe a probability that there, there are going to be some down years.
0: I, I don't think the Big Ten can do anything this year because if it, if it did a sanction before the year ended and it hurt Michigan in any way, it could hurt Michigan from making the playoffs and winning the national championship, which is a lot of money to the Big Ten. And if they do it and then Michigan beats Ohio State, then they get nobody in. So I, don't, I think for economic reasons, they're not going to do it. I, I don't think it's going to be moral reasons. I think it's economic.
4: Right. And Imagine how loud that's going to be because, you know, there are presumably games within this season where they had this advantage. So, huh. You know, once we get to let's say it's the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl this year. I mean, while the, I, I agree with you, I don't think they will do anything of that nature. I think it's the the story is just going to be very, very loud from one of those places.
0: I agree. I, I, I totally agree. You went. You also went to the Georgia game, right? Um, I did. did. You watch Georgia. Uh, do you think Georgia moves up? Do you think Ohio State and Georgia flip positions, or do you think it's going to stay one, two, three, four, as long as they're undefeated, all four of them?
4: I think these committees, and there have been ten of them with, you know, different memberships, but, but you know, a lot of the same people year to year, they roll over in, like, three-year uh, arrangements and so on. But I think they've always favored one thing and valued one thing, and that's that strength of schedule, And I think that's the greatest improvement that this system has brought to the sport. And so I think Ohio State, if I had to guess, will stay there. And that's because of having played Notre Dame on the road and uh, and having beaten Penn State at home. And I think those two things will put them just above Georgia, even though Georgia just got a, a win over number 12 Missouri, which is an excellent team and a beautifully coached team while, um, you know, while Ohio State was playing Rutgers, which, you know, is is having a six and three year itself. So I think Ohio State stays just ahead of Georgia, if I had to guess on that.
0: And thanks for being on, Chuck, as always. And it's a really good story on Connor Stallions. There's there's nuance in it that's really good. Thank you.
4: Thank, thank you so much, Tony. And nobody called me back, so that's... Yeah. Very
0: helpful. <laughs> I know how that works. <laughs> yeah. Chuck Culpepper, boys and girls, we'll take a break. We'll have email and jingle. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to
2: the Tony Kornheiser Show. One, two,
1: three, four.
2: Here, Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email faxes and notes. Here comes Mr. Tony's mail.
0: Thank you to Greg Rosendahl and Lindsey
1: Merrill for that. Michael, you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? Uh, yes, with the time change, the drive's a little bit easier, but Nigel took care of the bagels this morning. Bagel sandwiches for you. Checked them. Hot and ready. Go online to Bethesda Bagels to find the location nearest to you. Tell them Tony sent you. Uh,
0: that'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say,
1: is it true what they say
0: about you? They say you'll never, ever, never be true. It doesn't matter what they say. I know I'm going to love you any old way. What can I do? about you i don't want nobody nobody because baby it's you originally done by the shirelles and done better by smith yes better better (laughs) thanks to our guests today michael wilbon and chuck culpepper thanks as well to our sponsors you can listen to us on apple podcast spotify google play odyssey if you get the show through apple podcast please leave us a review from harry hawkins who was um A little at one not a little was a cliffy i think at one point and then went up to bristol to get a job and was also a caddy at columbia yes Hmm. great impersonations right yes he writes yes of dolan for example harry (laughs) hawkins in bristol connecticut second time long time i write concerning jeff ma's very funny but unfortunately faux story on friday about josh mcdaniels being fired while dressed as mark davis for halloween The story is part of a running bit by a prominent Twitter jokester named PFT Commenter who has faked other outrageous stories that appear to be legitimately posted in The Athletic. Past hits include Joe Biden dishing on his illicit fantasy football league with Obama and Lindsey Graham, Brett Favre (laughs) saying he's been indicted for fraud because of Title IX, Kevin Durant requesting a trade to the Wizards. In Jeff's defense, Josh McDaniels dressing up as his owner for Halloween the day after getting run out of the stadium by the Lions, is totally something Josh McDaniels might do. I think the story being believable is a far bigger indictment of McDaniels than Jeff believing it is of him. Come on, man, what are you even doing out here, man? From Dr. Jeff Caron in Jackson, Mississippi. I've been to Jackson, Mississippi. One, in the New York Toilet Bowl Jets-Giants, Thomas Morstead had 473 (laughs) total punt yards, which was more than both offenses combined. Two, 63 Earths can fit inside Uranus. (laughs) <laughs> from susan sheridan inspired by chilly temps this morning i was making good time assembling my florida packing for our annual departure from the dmv i was listening to the podcast when you two were discussing snowy golf experiences when talking about the south carolina course michael reminded you that it's in the location of your favorite Publix, and michael mentioned the bread ha that was the end of my packing i was immediately down a rabbit hole public-seated sub roll is the perfect platform for all my favorite subs from Publix. It's the answer to the question, what's for lunch, for two months. Thank you, Michael. Thoroughly enjoy PTI and especially the podcast.
1: You're not into the whole pub sub category, are you? Don't know what it is. Oh, it's, it's like a subway lunch counter, but everyone Don't has know. strong beliefs as to what's the correct order. Is that right? Mm. Are you a chicken tender kind of guy?
0: From Lou Smith in Morton, <laughs> Illinois. I'm not a chicken tender kind of guy who sends pictures with it. Recently, while visiting our daughter in Maui, myself and the woman I'm related to by marriage drove up to the top of Haleakalala, a dormant volcano, to watch the sunset. After an hour and a half winding drive up to the top of the 10,000-foot summit that included many hairpin turns, lots of cliffs, few guardrails, and a 20-mile speed limit, we saw a magnificent sunset and stayed to watch the stars come out. As we sat there ruminating our place in the universe, a truckload of six middle-aged guys with mountain bikes arrived and quickly began to unload. My curiosity peaked. I moseyed over to question the fellas. Were they really going to ride the incredibly twisting, narrow, dangerous road 10,000 feet down the volcano in the dark? No. They informed me that instead they were going to ride straight down the side of the volcano on a one-lane bike trail using the light of the moon for illumination. After all, one of them was celebrating a birthday. Three thoughts ran through my mind as I listened to this. My first thought, which remained silent, was, what a bunch of dopes. My second thought, also silent, was, I guess it's kind of cool to have the same birthday and death day. But my third thought, I voiced it them loud and proud, when you're out on your bike tonight, do wear white. Thanks for the laughs over the years. And here are the pictures of the sunset from a previous email. They're just beautiful pictures. Absolutely beautiful. From Gene Morris in Virginia Beach, I was delighted to hear you mention Stroh Snyder's Hardware on the show. I grew up two doors down from the Woodmore Shopping Center in the Four Corners area of Silver Spring. My family owned a clothing store, Willard Morris Apparel for men and casuals for women at one end, and Strohsnyder's was at the other. Mike Strohsnyder, oh, so it's a, it's a family There's name. There's a Strohsnyder? Wow. Mike Strohsnyder was a good friend of my dad, Willard, but call me Mike. Uh, Willard, but call me Mike Strohsnyder's was the first hardware store I remember Followed closely by Heckinger's, although a regular at Home Depot in adulthood, I still frequent the neighborhood hardware store near my house in Virginia Beach and think fondly of Strohsnyder's. Thanks for conjuring up that memory. Speaking of the clothing store, before a senator's matinee game in 1969, my dad, bolstered by a few beers, went down to the front row and gave his business card to some players and told them to come see him for a free suit. Imagine his surprise when, sober the next day, two Washington players walked in to redeem the offer. Ken McMullen walked out with a new suit. Unfortunately, the store didn't have anything in six foot seven Frank Howard size. <laughs> R.I.P. Hondo. <laughs> Isn't that nice? That's fantastic. Um, this is a long thing from uh, Matt Milthaler and Jennifer Ellis. It says attached is a wedding invitation from myself and the woman I'm about to be related by marriage. Our relationship somewhat formalized thanks to your show. You see, Jen is an accomplished singer and songwriter. Early on, I told her that this cash-strap podcast I listened to accepts submissions from original artists. Yes, because we cannot pay for music that's out in the air, James. We cannot afford it. Cash-strap's <laughs> a
1: bit tough, though.
0: In an effort to impress... And he wants walk-up music? In an <laughs> effort to impress Nigel and get her original song on the show for my birthday, she wrote a super sappy email, an equally sentimental th- song, think gazebo soundtrack in a Hallmark movie. Um, and, and while there was no doubt the song would make the cut, she had no idea that her message would be read on the air. Imagine my surprise when I heard Dr. Hoffa proclaim that I was the love of her life. Whoa! Even this knucklehead Little knew that was indeed an exceptional woman, and I vowed right there and then to do everything in my power to marry her. Johnny Walker Blue will be available for you and the entire crew if you choose to attend. Please let Tony Beeson and the Cincinnati area Littles know the celebration will happen on November 24th. At the Little Miami Brewery Company Event Center, and they are safe to sneak in after 7:30 p.m. And that's sincerely um, Matt and Jennifer. That's, I mean, oh, and they, yes, and they have a picture. They enclosed a picture. It's just tremendous. It's really sweet. Milford, Ohio. Is that is that well? That must be a suburb of Cincinnati, right? Has to be a suburb. Yeah. I wanted to do one more here from Dave Lansing. In Plover, Wisconsin, if I get this right. Dude,
1: not far from Camargo.
0: Reg- is that right? Yeah. Oh, the go- oh yeah, we played Camargo. Um, regarding the email from the listener who is a new parent to apparently nameless twin boys, I had some ideas. I mistimed the podcast ending and had about five minutes between the end of the podcast and my arrival at work. While accidental flowers in the background, I began to think of good name ideas. This is twin... but He's giving triplet names, not... Twin names. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. Were they was triplets? To...
0: Yeah, it was triplets because well, I remember. Mean, why we did he write in nameless twin boys? Triplet boys, right? Okay. Yes. Larry, Barry, Harry, Ron, Don, Lon, Jerry, Perry, Derry, Cal, Pal, Hal. The thought of someone referring to a baby as Hal made me chuckle. It was then that I realized I'm destined for a pretty productive workday with this kind of distraction rearing its head even before I get to the desk. If you're out on your bike tonight, as always, everybody, do wear white.
2: You so lost. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Forty-five years in Texas Calling balls and strikes As good an announcer That's come down the pike He's in Cooperstown A Hall of Famer How do you like? And now he's a world champion Behind the mic Eric Nadel Eric Nadel You must have dropped a silver dollar down the wishing well. The Rangers are the champions, trophies on the shelf. Who was there to tell about it? Eric Nadell. Brooklyn-born saw Wilton Russell when he was a tyke. Rode all over New York City on his two-wheel bike. From Gotham Town to Big D Ain't that quite a hike? And now he's a world champion Behind the mic Eric Nadel Eric Nadel Fly that banner proudly Ring that winner's bell The Rangers are the champions Trophies on the shelf who was there to tell about it? Eric Nate.